Today we are at Romans 1.18 and we're going to go through about eight or nine scriptures probably. And these are some of the most important scriptures, I think, in the entire Bible. And so we're going to spend a lot of time breaking these down. Because these, these, in this, these scriptures we're going to read and study today, you can find the answers to a lot of questions. And we'll go through that and break it down. So before we get going, any questions on anything that we, we uh, studied last week or anything on your mind from this week? All right, so we be <laughs> we begin. I think we're on chapter one. Right it is the twentieth. Oh. Oh. Okay. No, it is coming down now. It's like raining sheets. We actually could use it. It's a little bit dry. All right, so we ended up last week. You know, we talked about the opening. We talked about the end of the apostle, and then we ended up with the, the scriptures about not being ashamed of the gospel. Okay, so I'm going to read through this entire section that we're going to do today. I'm just going to read straight through it. And then we're going to go back and go through it verse by verse. Because I think you want to hear it totally in context. Alright, verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which is known about God is evident within them. For God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world... His invisible attributes, His eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give Him thanks, or give thanks. But they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of a corruptible man and of birds, and four-footed animals, and crawling creatures. Therefore God gave them over in the lust of their hearts to impurity, so that their bodies would be dishonored among them, for they exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason God gave them over to degrading passions, for their women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural, and in the same way, also men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned in their heart in their desire toward one another. Men with men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper, being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, and evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice, they are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. And although they know the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but also give hearty approval to those who practice them. Okay, so that was our full scripture that we're going to study today. You see, it's really uplifting. <laughs> I take that sarcasm. It is sarcasm. It's it's God's truthful view on the on humanity, and this includes oh, every last one of us at one time in our lives. 
And so we're going to begin back at the beginning of verse 18. And we'll just walk through this. But you can see when you hear God's word bluntly and directly read about what he, how, his, how he views humanity, it's the truth of it, but it's also we're evil. We're all evil. This is, this, all those descriptions fit us. Even now to a certain degree, but certainly before we were Christians. And again, when we get to Romans 3, we're going to kind of go right back through his true uh, description of the human race. All right, so verse 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. And so you see there, first off, I want you to note that the wrath of God is revealed right now. A lot of people think of um, the wrath of God as a future thing, and that it will be a future thing when people, anybody who dies outside of Christ will be dealt eternal wrath by God. But the wrath of God is already revealed against sin. God is already directly opposed to sin in the current life. And so one thing I want to go to, I'll read a couple other scriptures that are elsewhere that I think will help kind of show this. And so I want you to see that it's in the current context. It's not that for the wrath, it doesn't say for the wrath of God will be revealed. It says the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. That means currently. Yeah, I know, it's coming it's down. It's coming down pretty hard. Alright, so I'm going to go to John 3. You don't have to turn here, I'll read it. John 3, 36, I'll start with. We're talking about the current wrath of God upon sinners now. It's also future, but it's all already. Uh, John 3.36 He who believes in the Son, of course Jesus, has eternal life, but he who does not obey the Son will not see life. And here's the part I want you to hear. But the wrath of God abides on him currently. Unconverted people right now are, willfully, are in willful rebellion against God, and his wrath abides on them right now. The consequences of his wrath. Again, it's, it's mainly in the form of them corrupting themselves. Sin always corrupts the person that sins, and, and God, and we'll get to, as we read, God turns them over to that. Um, but you see there where God's wrath abides on them now. Anybody who does not obey the Son, they're under the wrath of God right now. A lot of people, if you say that to them, they would have no concept of what that means. And even, you know, professing Christianity would would probably reject the fact that the wrath of God is upon people right now who are not believers. And uh, John 3.18, of course we all know John 3.16 where it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. We all love that. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world but that the world might be saved through him. We love that too. But 18, a lot of people usually stop there because it says, He who believes in him is not judged. Okay, talking about a Christian. He who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son. So you see, he who believes is saved, but he who, who does not believe is judged already. And I always struggle with that. It's like, huh. Because judgment's future. And again, the, the, the true un filtered wrath of God is future for unbelievers in judgment in hell. But they're already judged now. They're under judgment now because they don't believe. So any person who's alive today uh, who, who willfully, of course, when you're, 
when you're you know a one year old or two year old and you don't will you're not you're a sinner but you're not willfully sinning against God but once you become of age you will willfully sin against God you become you're you're under his current wrath as immediately once you willfully say all right I know this is wrong and this is kind of what we'll end up with later on where you know where it talks about we know everybody knows that the wrath that God's justice we'll we'll, we'll hold that off till we get to that. So you see the point there is that right now, God is revealing his wrath. It's not all future. It's also right now. And, and uh, against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. That's a key term. I want you to you really got to hold on to that term. It's an important concept to learn. That, well, I'll keep, I'm going to read a little bit and we'll back up to that. Because you got to hear the explanation of that. Because that which is known about God is evident within them, and for God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made. Okay, so they are without excuse. And so you have there, that is what is called general revelation, that God gives to everybody. God doesn't reveal himself totally to everybody, in a, in a sense of a saving relationship. But every single person who's ever born and, and gets to a certain condition of accountability, um, God makes them makes Himself known to them in a in a way. Which the two ways are: the the first part is verse nineteen, where it says God is, which is known about God is evident within them. That refers to the conscience. He gives everybody a conscience, saved or unsaved. Every human being is made in the image of God. And part of that is that we have a conscience. We know right from wrong. Unbelievers know right from wrong. They know when, you know when they do something wrong because their conscience testifies against them. And so that's evidence of God. And also the other, the second part of general revelation is creation. Everybody can look around and, and they know in their hearts, they, especially early on in their lives, they know that there's a creator God. You can't deny it. It's clear to them. It's evident to them. This is the testimony of Scripture that says, this is why I say there are no true atheists out there. There are people who maybe get to a point where they have, they have suppressed the truth for so long that their hearts are so hardened that they may believe that they are atheists, but they're not truly atheists. At least they're, they start off not being atheists because, again, what we just said here, God makes himself known in a general way to everybody. So you see, there the two. The reason God is, His wrath is being poured out against unrighteous men is because we suppress this truth, and so we go back up to where we're talking about the, the truth, the general truth, the general revelation of the conscience and the creation. We all, our reaction to that is not to thank Him as we should, as it says in the next in verse 21, or honor Him. What we do is we suppress the truth of Him because we love our sin. You see that that term there. Suppress the truth in unrighteousness. The reason we suppress the truth is because we're unrighteous and we love that unrighteousness. And so I think if you understand that that viewpoint of every single person born and gets to a certain condition, which is almost everybody, they know that God exists. They don't know Jesus is, is God. That's, that's, that's further revelation that God grants to people uh, who he wants to save, but he 
he makes himself known to everybody. And, he, and, that, and it makes him, and you see the key term there I'm trying to get you to, is so they are without excuse. Nobody will go before the white throne of judgment and say, well, I didn't know. You never gave me any information. Nobody shared the gospel with me. Because that's, the, the, again, this information, the general revelation is, I want to make it very clear, it's not enough to save you. Okay, but it's enough to damn you. Because if you did what was righteous with the, with the, uh, with the, the general revelation that he gives you with your conscience in creation and sought him out, then you would, he would reveal himself in a saving way to anybody who would do that. But here's the issue. Nobody will do that. Nobody in the history of the world has or ever will. Based on general revelation, seek God because why? We love sin. Because we suppress the truth in unrighteousness. And we'll get to um, further explanation on that. But I'll take you to, so you see, Derek asked me, and a lot of, a lot of people ask me, well, what about, you know, the guy, everybody struggles with it. What about the guy born in some tribe in Africa who never even hear, nobody, no Christian ever makes it to him. And they, and they just, you know, grow up and they end up worshiping their idols and whatever else. And, and, he, and the question is, well, how can God hold them accountable? This answers that. God makes himself known to that person within their heart. Within, he, they've got a conscience. And they can look up and see creation. And if they did the righteous thing and pursued God as they should, he would reveal himself to them. He would make him, so he would send them somebody with the gospel or anything else. And he, he would reveal himself in a saving way. But, but the point here is that nobody does. And the Bible is clear that there's nobody who does the righteous thing when God reveals himself in a general way. We all, we all do this because we love sin. And so that answers the question that why anybody and everybody, whether they hear the gospel or not, is without excuse. Again, that, you know, that it's our desire and it should be our heart to share the gospel because they can't be saved without hearing the gospel. And God, that's what, you know, God wants Christians to do is to share the gospel. So it's not to suppress the God, you know, it's not to discourage that. But the point is, is that nobody will be, nobody will be, there's everybody born is given this knowledge of God and if they did the righteous thing with it they would pursue him and he would reveal himself to him and I'll, I'll go to uh, well I wrote down a, a verse I wanted to deal with this on I've got so many notes on this page I can barely even read it alright um, Acts 17 26 and 27 All right, let's see here. Acts 17, 26, and 27. It says, um, and he made from one, and this is, um, I think Paul preaching, yeah, he's preaching to the people at the Arab, uh, I can't say the word, in Athens, I'll say that. And he's, he's preaching to them. And he said, verse 26, he said, and he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation, Okay, and this is the verse I want you to pay attention to. So he, he put everybody, he's sovereignly put everybody where, where we are. Why? That they would seek God if perhaps they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. You see that it shows that he puts everybody, no matter where they're at, he's, he's sovereignly located in there. And, and if anybody would seek for him and grope for him, 
you, you, you would find him. But again, the Bible also teaches clearly that nobody ever does that. That's the problem. And so that's why it takes additional grace. It takes the gospel. It takes God sending people. It takes his Holy Spirit regenerating people in order to have a saving relationship with him or with any, anybody to be saved. So do you understand that? Any questions on that? What about you, Dynasty? No. What about you, Hunter? Mm -hmm. Is he still shaking? Mm -hmm. All right. Um, where are we? 21. 21. For even though they knew God, again, everybody, this is everybody, not just Christians. Every, for even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. And so that's everybody. Everybody before God saves them it is, ends up in that boat where he reveals himself in conscience and creation. And what do they do? They suppress it in unrighteousness. They don't honor him. They don't thank him for the creation. They just say, all right, we're going to run this place even though they know that God is, is the one who created everything. And then when you do that, you become futile. And you're, you're, what happens when you reject God is your heart it's darkened. And even though they, in verse 22, professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. And so you see in verse 23, when it, when it says that that verb is exchanged, you see that's a willful act. So God, God gives knowledge to everybody and it's a willful suppression to exchange the truth of God for a lie, for something it's idolatry is what it is. And that's not necessarily just making a statue of a bird or an animal or it's it's what it's it's putting your focus and your worship and your love upon his creation. It can be anything. Anything from any I mean you name anything he's created and and we can turn it into an idol. So this whole group of verses is where is it direct? I mean, is he preaching this? Is he is it all written? Is it? He, this is a letter. You know, we were talking about last time. Right to a church, and it's it's just teaching. But this is directed. This is explaining the hum, the history or the history of every human being. So he's writing this because he's teaching. Well, I mean, specifically, what's in the heart and mind of of Paul at the time. Of course, he's inspired by the Holy Spirit, but. I think it gives you, it gives you, it's teaching you who you are as a human being, you know, especially before you were saved. And it does, and I'm trying to explain that, you know, how it helps you to answer a lot of questions about um, why people are under judgment. It's because God has made himself known to everybody. And what we all do is we turn it, and we, it's like a, it's like a beach ball in a, in a swimming pool. You're just pushing it down. And you can't really. Everybody, that knowledge of God in conscience pops up again. You just keep pushing and pushing down. And so it's just giving you the information on on, on human beings and why they do what they do. And, and again, it's all everybody. This is every. This is universal. That means we were at once in, in you know a good portion of our lives, obviously, in this mode where we knew God, we knew of God, and I remember specifically myself that I knew there was a God. Now, I did get so dark that I wasn't sure at times before I got saved. I remember thinking, heck, I don't even know anymore. I always believed there was a God, but I was so darkened by then 
that I didn't, that I honestly questioned whether there was any, you know, I got to that, my heart was so dark that I, I didn't know what I was, to be honest, but I don't think I ever really fully, but I, but we know there's a God. Everybody knows there's a God. And so you see, it is, you know, it, it shows you that people aren't born, you know, a lot of people think, oh, well, God just reaches out and, and shares the gospel with certain people and, you know, there's some preference and there are, there is preference. I'm not going to reject that. God, but that's talking about additional grace. But like we said back in verse 20 where it says um, that that everybody knows his, his, his eternal attributes, his invisible attributes, who he is and what he's like. He's all, through the conscience, we know he's a, he's a moral God. He's a, um, he's a holy God. Because when we sin, we know we're doing wrong. He gives that in the conscience. And so that's a, that's a every single human being understands an attribute of God is his holiness. And as we'll get to a little bit later, we know that judgment's coming for our sin. And what do we do? We just continue to do it. Not only that, we'll encourage other people to join us. And so it's showing you the wickedness of the human heart. Okay. So I think it's I think it's important to know. And we'll we'll talk about the application of this here in a little bit too. But you see that every single human being has general revelation, makes them without excuse. There's nobody who's going to go before the white throne judgment and say, I didn't know you were real. There's not going to be one mouth moving at the white throne judgment. Everybody's mouth is going to be shut. They're going to be without excuse. And this is why, again, the two points I want you to know here is that conscience and creation is enough for everybody to know that there's a God. And in, in one application we'll go ahead and talk about is when you're sharing the gospel with people, you, you understand, and when you understand this, that they know, when you're talking to somebody who's an unbeliever, they know there's a God. And you can, you, you under, that's where you shape your evangelism, is at their, at their conscience. You, you know, when the first thing I say when I'm talking to somebody about Christ, before I get to anything, I'm like, how do you think you stand before a holy God? Because they know. They know they've sinned. Their conscience testifies, and that's why we can sit there and read. They know they are a sinner. Now, they suppress the truth, but our job as evangelists is to bring that out. What we know is there, and the reason we know it's there is because it's taught here. So you see the importance of that, knowing that one thing. And we all say, hey, look around. Well, you know, who do you think made all this? And we know, they may lie and say, well, I don't believe God made this, but we know they know. And so that's where you focus your, but more on the conscience, I think, when you're, when you're dealing with evangelism, because the first thing you have to do is get them to a point where at least they understand the presentation that God is holy and He's going to judge everybody according to His perfect standard, and that and then, then you can use that to uh, hopefully by the Spirit's power have them recognize they're in big big trouble and come to the Savior. So that's an application of this general revelation, and so and when you understand this, it explains it explains a lot, and. Uh, you know, when we talk about, you know, a lot of times when we're sitting around, you know, especially when I was over at Northside in the Monday evening groups where everybody would just be sitting around crushing people about, you know, people who they knew who were, you know, in addictions or who were drunks or whoever. And they'd be talking down about them. And they're like, I don't know why they do that. You know, I'm going, I know exactly why they do that. And I know exactly why you did that if you are saved now. And I know exactly why I did that now. Is because God made Himself known to us, and we we exchanged His truth for a lie. And every time that happens, our hearts gets our heart gets darkened. And so again, it, it should take away pride. You know, we haven't even, you know, later on way in Romans we'll get to election how He sovereignly brings us to life. 
that you already know your history when you're reading this because this is our history too it's everybody's history and so it's important in that way but I think evangelism if you understand the focus of evangelism it, when you're talking to somebody shouldn't be about, I mean they're going to have questions they're going to have challenges and we should educate ourselves on those things because God can use that to uh, you know to draw them to Christ or whatever you know you can use anything, and then we should always be ready to defend. You know, when they accuse the Bible of this, or when they, but but the problem is moral. The problem is the heart. The problem is they're in the active, willful state of suppressing the truth of God in unrighteousness. And, we, and if you know that, you can. That's how. That's where you're dealing with. And they know again. You can look them right in the eye and say, God, you know God is holy. You know it because your conscience is telling you that. And one day you're going to deal with Him. You know, and I think I think heart-focused evangelism is is the is the primary way to do it. Again, and you get that from this. The reason, the only reason I know that they're suppressing the truth is because the Bible teaches that they're suppressing the truth. All right, verse twenty-four. Therefore, God gave them over. That is a term that is called judicial abandonment. Judicial abandonment is how God. Judges, as we went back in verse 1 where he talks about how the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. How he does that is he turns people over to their sin. When God gives somebody over, he removes his restraint upon their life and allows them to, to fully engage in their sin and the consequences of that. So we see that term, and we'll see it a couple times, where God gives... When, the last thing you ever want God to do is give somebody over to their own wickedness is what he does. And he stops restraining them. And so, when when somebody will, again, God gives general revelation, well, they, what does everybody do, including ourselves at one point? We suppress that. We exchange the truth about God for a lie. And his response to that is, okay, you want to worship the created thing instead of the creator? That's fine. And he, and he removes his restraint from that, and he allows you to do that. And, and he, so he gives them over in the lust of their hearts to impurity. And so the results of that, the results of when he turns them, I remember, I can remember specific times in my life, looking back on them now, when he, I know God, turned, did exactly this. Where I, you know, I had so many opportunities to do the right thing and to turn to him and everything else, and I was so wicked. I remember, I was even religious in a certain way after I'd done some of the most wicked things that i ever done in my life. And I remember, I can tell you specific points where he just turned me over and my life went straight down. Wicked. I mean, just incredible. And so that's what happens. God's response to somebody who will exchange the truth of himself for, a, for a, an idol is to turn them over to his, their idolatry. And that's what he did to Israel so many times that when they would turn to idolatry, he said, okay, you want, you want those gods, I'll, I'll remove my blessing from you and let you worship those guys but when trouble comes and it will you go ahead and go to your little wooden blocks there who can't walk and you have to carry around and see how much they help you so he turns them over to what they want when God turns a simple person over to what they want and again you see there where it says the lust of their heart therefore God gave them over in the lust of their hearts to impurity he gives them over to what they want simple unconverted human heart wants only sin that's all and so the last thing that we would ever want is for him to remove his restraint
And see, it also goes to a point where we have no idea how much evil God restrains from people. The unconverted or converted. He, re I mean, he restrains so much evil. And then, but in an individual life, when he turns somebody over, he, he removes the restraints. Alright, verse 25. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. Kind of repeats what he's talking about in verse 22 and 23, where when he turns them over, or the reason he turned them over is because they exchanged the truth of God and exchanged him willfully to worship something he created rather, rather than the creator. Verse 26, for this reason God gave them over. Again, that term, gave them over. Another term I want you to, the terms I want you to hold on to that we've gone through so far is that people suppress the truth and unrighteousness. God, that we suppress the general revelation because we love sin. And then this gave them over. That is, um, and when God, I had a note here, when God gives somebody over, he allows the full expression of their wicked lusts. So again, like we talked about, he removes the restraints. And what happens when he removes the restraints is you end up getting the results that we're going to get into here, you know. Um, when God gives somebody over to their degrading passions, again, when their passions and their lust, these are things that they want. What happens is they give up. This is when homosexuality blossoms. They, they, they desire wicked things like unnatural sexual relations. And it says in the same way the, you know, the men stop lusting after women and they go after men. And so homosexuality is the end result of God giving somebody over. It kind of takes us to a point where, you know, a lot of people think, talk about how, you know, especially in our, our time now where homosexual marriage has been authorized by our Supreme Court and everything else, and everybody says, well, God's going to judge our nation. Actually, this is the judgment. You see how the, the judgment of getting turned over is homosexuality along with other other things. I don't want to just pick specifically on homosexuality, but it's dealt with here. You know, so anybody who denies that the Bible teaches that homosexuality is a sin, I mean, you kind of have to just ignore this in many other places. Because this is, you know, this is, this is the result of when God gives you over. It's not a term where it says, well, this is what he, he endorses our author, you know, that approves of. And so that's the end result of when God gives you over. So again, nobody's born a homosexual. It's, a, it's the end result of them exchanging the, the truth of God that, is, that everybody receives. Push it down. Don't want it. Don't want the true God. We want to create our own God, usually ourselves. And God says, okay, that's fine. If that's what you want, I'll turn you over to your own lust and see how that works out for us. Again, that's not just the homosexual life. It's, as we can see, as we read on, it's it's, um, it's every form of sin. But at the end of there where it says, okay, and in the same way men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned in their desire toward one another, men with men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. The due penalty of their error as we talked about earlier, is that sin, sin corrupts. When he turns you over, 
to your lust and, and you just your sin accelerates it crepes you more it's like a it's like a snowball and so the penalty of your error of your sinful lust is just more sin it is downward and just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer so you see there were the three verbs that are that should be the proper response to God's general revelation in the conscience and the creation should be verse 21 they did not honor or give thanks to God those are those are proper responses that we should have done just by the general revelation and then also just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer. So we don't even acknowledge Him. He creates us. He gives us a conscience. He gives us general revelation. We know right and wrong. We know what we should do. And not only we suppress it, we, don't, we won't even nod our head to Him. We won't even look up to Him at all because why we know. We, we don't want Him. We want our sin. And so we push any vestige of it. You know, that can take the form of, of so many. I mean, every single individual basically is a very creative person in suppressing the knowledge of God so we can pick out whatever sin it is. Again, it's not just, I'm not, you know, we'll go through more lists here. So, you know, it could be materialism, it could be addiction, it could be homosexuality, or it could be heterosexual lust and adultery and fornication and pornography and you name it. We can create, we all can make an idol out of anything and everything. And that's what idolatry is. It is worshiping the create the creation rather than the creator. Just here. Yeah, we'll read through those again so we so we don't just say, well, you know, you know, a lot of people isolate that thing. So when you don't acknowledge God any longer, God gives you there's the term again, God what did he do? Gave them over to a depraved mind. So when God gives you over to your lust, to what you want, your rejection of him, you exchange him for a fake God, an idol, usually yourself, it, it darkens your heart, as we read earlier, and it depraves your mind. You, your mind becomes depraved. You don't think properly. Your mind is altered in, in, to a point where you, you can't even think clearly. And that's why you look around the world and you see what you see. Is m men and their hearts and their minds become darkened and their mind become and here's the result you're filled with all unrighteousness wickedness greed okay how, how many of us in this room have been greedy evil full of envy how many of us have been envious murder okay maybe not all, all of us have killed but we have have anger in our heart what jesus said was murder strife how many times have we had you know strife deceit has any of us ever, ever lied Malice, they are gossips. Have we ever gossiped? Do we still gossip? Slanderers, haters of God. Okay, so people who are unconverted do not have a neutral position on God. They're not, eh, maybe, maybe not. They hate Him. And they suppress Him, and so do we. Before we were converted, we hated God. We may not have said it out loud, but we did. Insolent. What does, does that mean, isolating yourself? What does that mean? Change. Rude or, uh, yeah, being rude. Okay. Insulting. None of us have ever done that, right? No. Arrogant. Never, never been there, right? Boastful. Yeah, I've never boasted. I used to feed on my pride. I mean, I used to intentionally feed on my pride to handle my problems. Inventors of evil. Okay, so uh, everything is evil that we've invented as a human race. Isn't that wonderful? 
drugs, uh, you know, wicked, just everything wicked has been invented by human beings who have rejected God. Disobedient to parents. Gracie. <laughs> All right, I wanted you to hear that. That's the fruit of a depraved mind. So don't disobey your parents, please. I always bring that. There's three other verses where we're driving to school and I always make sure that the CD's coming on right at that time. We're talking about obey your parents. parents. But then the next one is don't or, uh, don't overbear on your child or something. Don't be overbearing. I'm like, oh wait, pause that. Mute that part. Without understanding, unconverted people are not understanding. We, we are, our people are impatient. Untrustworthy, can't trust them. Unloving, unmerciful, and here's another really important scripture that is really important to know. And although they know the ordinance of God, okay, through their conscience, they know that they're doing evil. Okay, not only do they know that they're doing evil, we've talked about that. Okay. That those who practice such things are worthy of death. Do you see that? That every last person who's alive, okay, who, again, we're not talking about the very few people people who are in a condition of accountability, which is most people, not mentally handicapped, not infants and babies who haven't come to the point where they can willfully sin. But in a general way, we're talking about everybody here, that we not only know that we're doing wrong, we know that judgment's coming. And it's really important to know, especially, like I said, when you're evangelizing, you know you're talking to somebody who knows they know they do sin, and they know judgment's coming for it, when we can use that. We can because we don't have to. We don't have to. You know, if you don't understand, if you're going in there without this knowledge, and then what you asked earlier, why? Why? What do we? This is why. So this is one of the important reasons, applications of this, as we talked about earlier, is we know when you're talking to an unconverted person that you already know that they're made in the image of God. They've got the conscience, and they know they're a sinner, and they know judgment's coming for it. So you can deal with it. That's, that's information you know. Now you don't accuse them because then they may not admit that, but they know. And so you can you can work with that in the heart, and you, you know that's the first thing I always start with is that you know God, you know God, there's God, right? And you know He's, you know God's holy, and and, and sometimes they'll, they'll deny that or whatever. But we know that they know because it teach it's teaching it right here. But it's sad to 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 get the clear. It's sad, but again, it's useful to know. And again, we are all like this that we all know the ordinance of God. And that those who practice the things that break his ordinances are worthy of death. That's not talking about just death. That's talking about eternal judgment. And what is the response? They not only do the same, they continue. So God makes it known to them in their conscience. And he makes it known to them that the judgment is coming for the sin. We suppress it. And we continue to do it. But not only that, we also give hearty approval to those who practice it. So we encourage it. We encourage other people to join us, and I've been there, to where you could because misery lo misery loves company, you know. The whole why is that true is because yeah, when you're sinning and you're willfully in rebellion against Him, it, you you feel more comfortable when you got somebody else with you, and so you'll actually drag somebody else to hell with you because it, it'll give you a little bit whoa, whoa. Oh, I hope you don't lose your power. You guys lose a lot up here, don't you? No, but if, if it's flickering like this, see, it didn't ever, it didn't ever go off. Yeah, that's good. 
Well, yeah, it's starting to flicker. Well, we might be lights out here a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, that verse anyway. Is there? Yeah, we're well, I'm not quite done. I got a few notes here. Hunter's really upset. He's upset. He's upset. Wait a minute. What? You can't even protect me. Consider. Consider. Hunter. I wish I could read my handwriting sometimes, to be honest. And he wants some comfort from me. Well, he's not going to get... No, all right. Oh, wait a minute. I don't want to be without mercy. Unmerciful, unloving. I don't want to be those things. And so do you see as a very... You, you really need to hold on. because Does that not open your eyes, though, to why unconverted people do what they do? Why you did what you did before, but, it, but it's no longer because you're saved now. But now you know, again, how to talk to somebody and, and you know... Conscious and creation, creation is the is the knowledge that God gives to everybody that makes them without excuse. That gives everybody enough to pursue Him, if they would. The problem is they won't. Okay, and, but again, so we talk about how well, they won't. Obviously, they we do. After he does an additional work of, of grace in the heart. This is just talking about general revelation. Yeah, we'll get to as we get through a little bit more through. And we talked about it many times where God, the gospel offer, okay, to anybody right. is an additional grace. General, or when he, sent, when he sent the Lord Jesus to die, he didn't have to do that. He could have left everybody at this point in general revelation and everybody would be condemned justly. You see that? Well, nobody's without excuse. So any, any, uh, you know, just sending. So this is like the, if he were to save one person, that would have made him merciful. So this is just like the beginning before he goes into. Yeah, we're going to build and build. Romans yes. builds on itself, but you have to start here. Okay. And you right. really have to understand that God may, reveals himself to everybody. So now when somebody asks you, well, what, you know, if you're talking about Christianity or something, they say, well, what about the guy in, you know, South Africa or, you know, somewhere in the Aborigines? He, they have the knowledge of God within their conscience. And they can just look up in the sky and know, that, and that's enough for them to, they should pursue them. That's an important answer, because if you just say, well, I don't know, I don't know. It's, you know. So this, so this is why I think this section of Scripture is very important. And we'll come back to it. Why? It answers a lot of questions. Why do people do what they do? They love, uh, they suppress the truth, because they're suppressing, the, they're an active rebellion against God. And so you have to understand that every unconverted person is not neutral on God. They're an active, suppressing, working, willful rebellion against God and so we will stop on we'll, we'll start chapter 2 that next good. week thank good. you very much praise God yes.